C Strategies LLC, The Broadcast, Becky, Micah, The Remix Project Chicago, Communications, Public Affairs, Strategy, Entrepreneur, Media, Chicago, Women, Women, Wine, Chit Chat, Chit Chat, Podcast, Podcast, Byline, Public Relations, Women, Mary, Micah, Becky, C Strategies, The Broadcast, The Broadcast, The Broadcast. Hi, welcome back. This is the sixth episode of The Broadcast, a Chicago podcast dedicated to showcasing women who are really making an impact on Chicago and their communities. If this is your first time listening to The Broadcast, we are glad you found us. Now sit back and enjoy. For our faithful followers, welcome back, and thank you so much for listening. I have to give a big shout out to our amazing sponsors, one, the Remix Project Chicago and Ventus Holdings LLC. This really is possible because of you guys. And I'm Becky Carroll, uh, President and CEO of C Strategies. Um, here's a little bit about me. I'm a two-decade veteran of some high-profile political and public policy campaigns, including serving as National Director for Women o- for Obama in 08. Uh, I'm a lifelong Chicagoan, having served on a bunch of boards that promote leadership roles for women in politics and women's health, as well as family and workplace issues. I love it. I do too. So hi, I'm Micah Stambaugh, Vice President of C Strategies. I'm an Emmy award-winning journalist and entrepreneur with 13 years of experience working in both a newsroom and running a business. I also serve on the board of directors for the YWCA Metropolitan Chicago and Susan G. Komen Chicago. Who keeps changing that, Micah? I know. Y-W. I do this too late at night. <laughs> so this is me. Um, now let's start dishing with three powerhouse women that are actually kind of our competition. Woo-hoo! Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we are pumped to have you three on the broadcast with us. In studio, we have Sarah Hamilton, Managing Director of Kivit, Marilyn Katz, President of MK Communications, and Rakesha Phelan, Founder and CEO of Phelan Public Strategies. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yay. <laughs> um, yes, I know each and every one of you ladies very well in multiple capacities. I have to say, I think Marilyn's known me since I was more of a kiddo in this business. And I think she's Absolutely. always someone who I have always looked up to because she's such an ass kicker. Um, so I think most who successfully conquered PR and public affairs often have a pretty interesting story um, behind how they ended up there. So I'm kind of interested in learning, like, how did each of you find your way into this space? So let's start with the queen of all things PR in Chicago, Marilyn Katz, who's also one hell of a Pilates instructor. And I know from experience, but I think I can only take three sessions from you and then I was done. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think after uh, after this next child's born, it's back to the reform. I'm, I'm all with you. Trust me, honey. After putting on 40 pounds. Yes. So I actually, I really fell into this. I was... um had come from California as a filmmaker and a political activist and was in Chicago to run a national political organization, started a, a women's organization called Reproductive Rights National Network, was done with that, Was found myself in a city without a film industry. So reduced to making McDonald's commercials, directing them. Very boring because nobody besides me thought it was funny that you would spend $3,000 a day to for one person to put the sesame seeds back on the bun. So I was at a poker game with a bunch of guys with whom I still play poker. And one of the people there was this guy, Renault Robinson, who had just taken over as um, campaign manager of Harold Washington's third attempt to be mayor. And I said to him, you know, Renault, this guy's lost twice. I'm the only person in town that I know of who knows both film and politics. 
why don't you hire me to do his his uh, media? Brilliant. And uh, so I brought in my friend Bill Zimmerman from California, and we pitched Harold, and unbelievably, he said yes, which was great. Uh, so we get there, and we had the media contract, but guess what? Harold Washington had no money. I mean, nobody believed he could win, so we had no money. And they said, well, you'll also have to do the press. Press? <laughs> <laughs> However, because I did come from California, and as a filmmaker, what I did was take it and make every press conference a 30-second, 60-second spot, theming each one, creating um, an on-the-site context, uh, a tale of two cities, whatever it was. And we finally, you know, during that first two months, had a press filing from around the country because nobody had really done that before. And so, you know, the rest is history. Harold won the primary, then we won the general, and I became immersed in doing political strategy and PR as well as making movies. So I did a couple of films afterwards, and people would say, it also opened up the political process in the city when he won. So for the first time, it wasn't just a bunch of white men mm -hmm. making decisions, and people called me and said, well, you know, you won that. Could you help us ban leaded gasoline? And I said, well, sure. And <laughs> then we did, and we won. And that actually, that campaign, that first campaign, cost me a lot of money. No doubt. Because mm -hmm. once we did it in Chicago successfully and at the state, then everybody else around the country wanted to do it. But of course, they didn't mm -hmm. want to pay. They just wanted to know what you did. So, um, so that was really how I got started. And instead of going back to L.A. and New York to make films, I put my kind of politics and my um, strategy experience and my media experience together and just kind of followed the yellow brick road. Wow. Are you still kind of dabbling in film and stuff like that these days? I try to do at least a film a year. You know, um, I don't... Keep it grounded. Keep it grounded. I like film. Well, something um, different. You have to cleanse the palate after you deal you with really politics. Do. <laughs> and clients. But I, well, I do it for my clients. So we do... I really like the films that we get to do every year or so. It's just a nice... Film is like politics. Let me tell you. A campaign and doing a, a, a feature yep. film is the same thing. You live with a very delimited group of people with whom you're intensely involved. That's why affairs happen in political campaigns and on movie sets. <laughs> same thing. Different there show. is a world. <laughs> <laughs> you create a world that only you are really invested and involved in. And then after three months, six months, nine months, a year, it's over. Yeah. Move on. Wow. Move on. It's like it never happened. Right, right. <laughs> Go back to life. Some sort of. things linger on. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, Rakisha, how did you get into this? Well, let me first say that I love the beginning part of Marilyn's story because she starts by talking about how she got into this, and she did not wait to be invited. She was at a poker game. She thought, I can do this. And she said, you need to let me do this. And I love that. So before I start yeah. with my story, let me just say that is kick-ass. I love it. Props. Yeah, kick-ass. Um, so my path was completely different. I, um, After graduate school and working for Illinois Issues Magazine, I knew I wanted to work in um, justice work, um, particularly in advocacy for low-income families. So I uh, was living in Springfield, packed up everything, moved to Chicago, and started working for John Bowman and the folks at the Shriver Center as their media director. So I got my start in nonprofit communication, and it was really grounded in the type of advocacy work that I cared about that was just part of my gut that I wanted to help give voice to. 
And so I started there for a few years and had a great experience with those guys. Those guys are still doing fantastic work. I'm so proud of them. Um, but after that, I made my transition into government and started my government flack work. And I started as a spokesperson for the Department of Human Services, which was a nice transition into government. I still got to work on lots of those issues that I care about and um, did that for a little while before I was promoted and ended up taking over um, a department within CMS that actually managed media relations for all state agencies um, at the time. And so I did that for just a short amount of time. Um, it was fantastic. Got to learn a lot. Um, but at the same time, got to do what I love, which is message management, um, lots of training for new spokespersons um, and delivery, and got to work with some fantastic folks in the governor's office. Uh, and then I made my move into the Senate, where I stayed the longest um, as press secretary for Senate President John Cullerton. And um, I love that experience and working for the Senate. I love that experience as press secretary. And, um, you know, I've, I've all often said, you know, for people who try to understand the craziness of Springfield and the actors and the environment, there's no better caucus to work for than Senate Democrats. We're the only ones that passed a budget this year. I'm just saying. <laughs> Um, and I still talk about them like they're my family. But um, that was uh, an experience that taught me a lot. Uh, my first week there was pretty challenging. Uh, my first week there was the impeachment trial of a governor. And um, who shall not be named. <laughs> if you so if you say so, um, that was pretty challenging. And I had very few weeks that were as challenging as that. Um, but really proud of the work that we did there. Really proud of um, some of the policy that we got to move forward. Um, would leave every once in a while to help on campaigns and did some work for the De Democratic Governors Association before I left last year to start my own company. And uh, here I am today, still working with lots of groups that have connections to Springfield, advocacy associations, but also some corporations and what I love, individual candidates, particularly women who are wanting to make sure that they have the right platform to get their message out. Woohoo. Here, here to that. All for that. Miss oh, Sarah. All right. Oh, yeah, you're up, girl. Well, similar to Marilyn, mine was a bit uh, happenstance. I didn't plan on working. I plan on working in politics, but on the policy side. Um, and, you know, like everyone, I graduated from college and thought, well, I'm going to go to grad school and just postpone life in general. <laughs> so I moved up to New York. I went to graduate school and I found myself incredibly bored. Um, and so I thought, OK, well, I need to do something. Um, I'll take an internship, unpaid, of course, because, you know, yeah, why make any money in New York? Um, <laughs> and I was fortunate. I, I was a foreign policy intern at the Clinton Foundation in its very early stages when it was tiny. And within three months, I had a job. But in the press office, the chief of staff called me in her office one day and was like, we're really impressed. You do great work. You know, you work hard. Would you mind or would you be interested in being the, you know, press assistant, basically? I knew nothing about press. I knew nothing about communications <laughs> or media. But of course, I said, yes. Heck great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was my, my first job in politics was essentially doing the clips and writing briefings and talking points for Bill Clinton. And, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better first boss and someone who kind of taught me how to communicate and you know he's not bad at it yeah and I worked my way up the ranks there um, eventually being the deputy director of communications before I left to go work on 
Hillary's first presidential campaign, um, where it was again, it was like a, hey, we need some help. Um, you know, can you come be an adult on the road? And so I did, and it was great. And I spent, you know, I don't know, eight or nine months traveling with the campaign, doing a combination of press advance and then also traveling on the plane as a, a wrangler for the reporters, which was a great experience to have that one-on-one, -on -one, you know, as, um, you know, we were talking about film and campaigns and things happen and the plane is always a place where there's a lot that goes on more than just <laughs> rolling oranges up the aisle to ask the candidate a question um and from there i got really lucky i moved back to new york um i worked for a hot minute at a pr firm that really just was not the right fit for me at all and then i got an interview opportunity uh for the press secretary position for the mayor of la and i thought I'll apply. I live here. I have been to California a couple times. I've been to LA once. Yeah, this will work. <laughs> Next thing I knew, I had a job. You know, it was great. I moved. I packed up. I moved to LA, and you know, that's kind of where things. I wouldn't say they really took off, but it was it was a whole new ball game. You know, I was the spokesperson for the second largest city in the country, which was an amazing experience and a really good way to get involved in an entirely different city. You know, I grew up here and I know Chicago politics and culture and in New York you can't help but be involved, but LA's a totally different beast. Mm -hmm. And and that was interesting and it was interesting to be in a town where and try and communicate in a town where people are they're sort of civically engaged, but not really. Yeah. And and they're really engaged in themselves. Yes, yeah, in themselves. <laughs> exactly. And in their film industry. Yes. But they're you right. know, you work in politics what? Politics? Yeah. Politics What's not that? King in LA. Here? Yeah. Um but it was a great experience. And then, you know, I was, again, really fortunate. Rahm was elected mayor, and I was offered a job as the director of public affairs for the police department. I took that, and the next thing I knew, I was his communications director. Um, but literally, it was like two months. And I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very well. You were there, Becky. <laughs> um, and so, and, and that was great. And I spent three years with him and learned an incredible amount. And then, as we were talking about, and I think, Mikey, you said it, like, you've got to take a break. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I mean, Rikisha, you, you know. Like I it, do. You get that. I did. You're in it. <laughs> and then at some point, you're like, I got to stop. I need to get yeah. off this merry-go-round for a little bit. Um, and so I did. And I took some time off. And then I was really fortunate um, to land at Kivit, which has been an incredible experience. You know, working on the agency side is different, but not dissimilar to working in, you know, communications in a political sense. You have your hands in a lot of pots. and. Mm -hmm helping clients with their problems, big and small, and, and navigating those waters. And mix up the issues. Mix up. It's not totally. the same old, same old yeah. every day. And, you and know. things that you never Which... thought that you'd find interesting, but all of a sudden are incredibly interesting because you have the time to dive in and really yep. get a sense of what the issues are. I think that's like part of the or best part of doing PR is just like you never know. It's like a box of chocolates sometimes. You never know when you get when you buy into a client and you just find yourself just loving it and immersed in it. So. Nice. But I like the fact that we have a balance. Like, we're not always on the reactive side. You know, mm -hmm. we're very proactive, and that's something that we probably didn't have a lot of in our in our earlier careers. And now it's like, oh, no, we, we, we can prepare and, yeah. and <laughs> like, plan promote this. What? Right. <laughs> love, love this. I have to give a big shout-out to Sarah because she was my – uh, the reason that I came to City Hall from from Did you the recruit TV her? side, <laughs> and I, I I was trying to get you know I knew news was not going. I mean, unless you you're know, ready to make a change, it was so crazy. Yeah. I was like, okay, ten years, and it's. I mean, we know in Chicago, it's all like people don't leave TV stations in Chicago. <laughs> like they, right. they they go there to retire. Right. Right. Yep. 
And I tried to get a lot of people to retire, and they didn't want to. So I figured. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an interesting Candy. question. I mean, I think, you know, I think David Axelrod has been lucky, um, but I really think it's the options are really limited on the um, news side these days, mm-hmm. and that you know, in some ways, you say maybe it is a retirement strategy because, in fact, readership. When I started this business, you know, there were four stations you could rely on. Everybody read the papers. Um, readership is something yeah. beyond the sports section, something down to 3%. Even, and even online, it's, you know, your headline readers. So I think it's a hard thing to stay in yeah, on the um, oh, yeah. on the broadcast or, the, or even the um, online or print side, Yeah, which, of course, gives us more control. No, I'm so – I mean, I really married the my – you know, joining Becky – I really just married both of my lives. I married my media life, and I married my, you know, very short three years political life to this great platform to be able to help people, whether it's figure out, you know, what they need to do for their project or figure out how they need to promote themselves. And it's it's, it's, it's awesome. interesting too, though. I mean, I think that being on, the, I mean, most many of my clients have been with me anywhere from ten to thirty years. So we are. We've been really lucky to be able to do things very proactively. But I think, I mean, if you could go back, if each of us could go back to when we've worked in government, we tend to be far more advanced than government in how to use various media channels. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I am, yeah. oh, seriously. I'm always shocked and, you know, try to say to my friends in government, uh-huh. you know, we kind of represent nonprofits, government, and, you know, some selected corporations. I'm lucky enough that yeah. I get kind of can say yes or no. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I'm really kind of always amazed by, despite the resources available, how few, they're kind of government, even our best friends who know better are way behind in their use Real of, lack of innovation yeah. with yeah. in terms of what's available. Yeah. I mean, the mayor just uh, launched a podcast, which is great. Yeah, I'm like, which is awesome. All right, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> at least leading the way. I mean, there's so many ways to get your message out. Right. Um, and, yeah, government is just kind of right. too and much and status I mean, quo. Well, I think they're really far more dependent than needs be on the media. Yeah. Right. And on reporters yes. to get their... On traditional media. Right. Oh, yeah. It's, right. it's just oh, yeah. right. crazy. Right. Well, you know, this obviously we are all women here and we're super blessed to have so many talented women in this industry here in Chicago, but it still feels fairly dominated by the boys, right? Um, in fact, the inspiration for this episode of the podcast was because a story ran in one of the local papers that quoted several experts in PR and all of them were men. Mm. Well, that's interesting because usually they wouldn't be quoted as men in PR. Right. Usually, <laughs> men are strategists. Exactly. We're flat. We're, we're yeah. flat. Yeah. And that yeah. is a real fucking issue. Yeah, yeah. Yes. totally. Agree. So, 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 so we put it as irked, but it is a fucking issue. So yeah. what, we should have put that yeah, in there. Yeah, we should have put fucking but issue. But do you, do you feel like women are still having to fight for their place in this space, or is a playing field level? Sarah, you start. Um, I think the answer is yes and no. Um. I think it's easier to break in. I think now that the challenge is being heard and making sure that your voice is heard and not in a way that your male colleague then takes what you say and passes it off as his own and everyone's like, oh, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have we sat in a room and had that happen? Or, Too many. Or someone talking over you or just not listening. Or silencing you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it, it's, you know, I don't want to, 
I don't want to bash guys. There's, you know, they, I'm sure Plenty they of have, good guys in the business. Yes, yeah. and I'm sure they have their own plights. I don't know what they are, but I'm sure they have them. But, you know, I think part of it is, you know, yeah. And it, I think it's twofold, though, for, for women. Like, one, you have to, your voice needs to be heard, but that means that you have to speak up. And oftentimes, I think, I read that same story and I thought, I can remember being a spokesperson and there were times when you're not afraid and Becky you know what I'm talking about on this like you want to make sure that you get your quote exactly right Mm -hmm. well it's never going to be perfect but I think we are tend to be more deliberate about these things and guys are just going to say it they're going to get a call from a reporter and they're going to give their opinion because well it's my opinion and I'm incredibly confident in what I have to say Mm -hmm. and I think we need to do more of that ourselves and know that all of us in this room to a certain degree are we're paid to give our opinions And I think there's a reason our clients hire us is because we have our opinions. We're not afraid to share them. But then our younger female colleagues, I think they need to see that and learn that as well. Because, you know, trying to be heard, as we've just seen with Senator Harris, who was silenced and talked over multiple times. And then then called hysterical (laughs) by a male Republican pundit. Yeah. who will go so, unnamed? Right. Let's not but give him more play. Yeah. So I think it's it's twofold. Like we have to yeah. we have to speak up and have our voice heard, and we've own it a little more, bit more. Yeah, and, exactly, yeah. and be more comfortable in saying like this is what I think. And, and if frankly, you think I'm wrong, fine, but it's my opinion. Right. Maybe and frankly, all... I think women are are by nature better communicators, but we're just taught, you know, to like and wait until the right time. And better yeah. thinkers. I mean, right. Like, you right. know, all the strategists no studies doubt. say women take more time to deliberate. Yeah. They actually. Yeah think before they talk, which is a rare. Yeah. I think this is pretty multifaceted. And I agree with lots of what Sarah just said. And I I would layer on to that, too, that we as women, particularly if you've served in a spokesperson role for an elected who is male, you know, we have to remember that they get a lot of benefit for us being on the record for them. They get a lot of benefit of having our voice be the one that represents them. Um, It shows their diversity. It shows um, their openness. And um, they get all of that benefit. We have to also insist that our voices are represented appropriately behind closed doors with those elected as well. So it's, it's, it's a little bit... It still feels like more work for us, right? So we are on the record. We're 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 the authoritative source, and I'll get to the th- the authoritative issue in a second. But also, I think there's a push that we have to constantly remind ourselves to be pushing behind the scenes. You don't get the benefit of having me as your spokesperson if behind closed doors you're not listening to my voice, and that is a tough place to put yourself, particularly when you're in business, <laughs> yeah. because you kind of need them. But I have when I started my business, that was something that I was firm on. You do not get the benefit of having an African-American woman on the record for you if you're not going to listen to my voice at the table. And I think in the very same way, um, we have to start working with our reporter friends that way um, when they're looking for diverse voices. Uh, I think that's really important. But this issue of whether or not or if women are treated or women spokespersons are treated the same as their male counterparts in the industry is longstanding. And I think you could probably do a study and look at where, if a female is included in a story as a source, where is she in the lineup? Is she down further in the column? Is her exact quote used as opposed to paraphrased? Um, And, you know, it really gets to this question of how comfortable people are at seeing women as the authoritative voice. Um, an expert. And I think that that's something that is something that we have to lean into. I mean, we're like, 
we're already like leaning way the fuck in on everything. <laughs> but we've got to keep leaning into it. But at the same time, we've got to challenge some of these institutional norms um, with some of our reporter friends and with our bosses. Yeah, totally, wholly agree, which it's a struggle, too, because, you know, whether we like it or not, it's like, yeah, we've come a long way, baby, but we're not entirely there yet. I often find myself when you're either in a room or on an email chain, and it's like, you know, five guy consultants and you, they're just dominating. You know, I, a lot of times I just step back. I'm like, I've got nothing to prove. I know what my opinion is. I put it out there. I don't try to fight for it. It's just, for me, it's just not worth it. I think sometimes guys think too much about who's going to win the debate. I'm like, you know what, if, if my opinion is, you know, the strongest, they'll go with it. And if not, I'm not going to lose sleep over it either. One of my favorite things too were ever said to me um, when I was first starting out on the political side with, with Harold, I was in a meeting at uh, Crane Chicago Business and I said something during the editorial board meeting and um, I'm the editor at that point, who's since become a great friend, is like, what are you talking for? You're just a flack. Well, oh, we, we got, got all that. That's right. right yep. That was one. And then the second, I had um, we had done a favor for a very big, um, corporate entity. They needed, so even though we had a contract on this big project, we agreed to be their WBE, mm-hmm. and I got called on the carpet, and these big guys in their uh, paneled room at the desk say, "You are the most argumentative, aggressive, opinionated." person I have ever met in my life and I said to them oh now we've gone through my good qualities <laughs> thank you but, That's a compliment. Just, I mean, thank you very much <laughs> on a serious level I think that uh, one it is the nomenclature P- uh, flack PR versus strategy and where that comes in and really I won't take a client who does not accept this that communications are a fundamental organizational strategy that we are not press release writers. Right. We are not just spokesperson. Right. That communications, where policy hits the public, is the essential place. And if you don't want my opinion going in, as Becky said, I don't want to be your spokesperson right. going out. So this is a strategic concern. This is not um, a manual exercise. Right. It is not a derivative. It is fundamental. And so I think that's one issue. But I do think, it's. I have to admit, as, quote, powerful as I may appear to people, um, it irks me to be described as a, you know, as PR rather than strategy, where we do the same thing as David Axelrod or, um, you know, any of those guys. And they're referred to oftentimes in a most strategic way. And that's why, like, when I started my firm, I'm like, And David, I love you if you're listening to the podcast. It's not your fault. (laughs) Right. But just an like, example. Just an example, because we love you. You're great. But yeah, it's like everywhere in all my branding, strategy, strategist, strategy, right. because that's yeah. what we right. do. And when people sometimes, you know, sometimes folks want to hire us because of who we know or whatever. And like, you know, okay, sometimes it's fine. You accept it. But I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm here to help you build your strategy. But, you know, Becky, don't, don't diminish that. People do. The relationships we built up are because we're smart we're good strategists, and we've yeah. given good advice. That's worth a lot. That's very valuable. That is very yes. valuable. And, and you, you need know. to take advantage of that. Well, you need to make it clear that those are your relationships mm-hmm. that you built with people because they trust your opinion. They trust you not to screw up right. and, or to screw them. And, and that is something that is, you know, is no less important than your – it's right. part of a strategic advice. Right. I know because if you're going to call the president of the Senate – 
because of an issue. It better be for a damn good reason and one that right. you can back up. And the same for all of us. Who were, and and the reason the that you thing. can is that you, over the years, have given John you know, an email before him really good advice, and they trust you. They trust your strategic vision and your ability to execute. Built was the operative word that you use. I mean, you earned that. Right. <laughs> you built that. And it, did, it wasn't there from the beginning. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And thank you for that encouragement, too, because I think I, I often think about things in a similar way. Um, but it, you're right. That was built over time. Yeah, you earned that. Mm -hmm. Blood, sweat, and tears yep. and a lot of hours. Yep. Many hours. Yeah. Well, speaking about building, uh, we've all been in this business, I think, at, you know, at least a decade or so more for both of us as well. But, you know, I think the nature of the job for folks like us has changed pretty dramatically than just, say, 10 years ago. I mean, remember, it was like one deadline a day around five o'clock. And, you know, it's just not like that anymore. Um, and social media was still kind of in its infancy. So if you could boil it down to, you know, a couple of strategies or tactics, what would you say is kind of key to staying relevant and successful in PR and public affairs today? Rakesha, what do you think? You know, um, I think this is a great question, and there, with uh, the development of social media, you know, over the last 20 years, even, you know, there's this tendency, how do we figure out how to use the new, coolest version of, of everything? And I think we have to do that. We have to stay, my first piece of advice to anyone in PR is keep learning, keep learning. But I also never stop think, learning. Exactly. <laughs> right. But also don't forget the fundamentals, and that is audience. Who is your audience? Where are they? And what is the best way to connect with them? Yep. And if using social media is mm -hmm. the best way to do that, fantastic. But don't get caught up on all of the different media and medium rather than focusing on the fundamentals, which is this is about connecting to an audience, activating an audience, and we're going to find the best way to do that. So obviously... All of our PR plans, all of our strategic plans for our um, clients, we have fully integrated social media in it. But it is a tool. Don't forget the fundamental, which is your audience. And then the other way that I like to remind clients um, about how to integrate social media and all of these other um, forums is use it to listen. It's a fantastic way to get feedback on what, you know, Joe Lunchbox or, you know, lady on the street thinks about everyday things. And there's a super easy way to start targeting your messages even based on that, um, based on your um, audience's preferences, their connections. But use social media to listen. Um, it doesn't yeah, need to become a, a troll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I think it's a, it's, we need to remember to keep learning. We need to remember to keep listening. But above all, please do not forget that the most important thing is connecting to the specific audience that you need right. to activate. And thinking like social media or the new tool of the day is like the magic bullet. There's yeah. no magic bullet. It's about your story at the end that's of the day. Right. That's it. And also story. the thing yeah. I think that social media really gives us and all in everyone even you know, putting aside the everyone can be a reporter because they have a phone and, and a social media account whatever medium you want but it gives us different outlets to get our message out because you're audience might be great for Instagram or you might have a client who mm -hmm. you could tell their story 
with snap stories, you know, and, and really do it in just these small bits. And I've had, I've said that to a couple of clients and they just kind of glaze over, like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's not scary. It just, it's another outlet. Like, you know, certain people read the Sun-Times, certain people read the Tribune, certain people read Cranes, just as we would parse stories to yeah. those outlets or to different broadcast outlets. You do the exact same with social media. It's not the be all and end all, right. but it is another way to get your message out and communicate with your audience where they live and where they are and spend the most time. Yeah, I really agree. It's really interesting. I mean, so some of our clients have said, look, do you think we should hire a social media firm? And I said, <laughs> I love that question. I, yeah, right, like, <laughs> I love it. Well, no. <laughs> like, how about no? Um, but, you know, so we were early adopters. And But to me, I mean, I think everything you've said is exactly right. I really like the part about listening, which I should do more of. Um, but my, well, one, I think it's very freeing that you no longer have to rely on Fran Spielman or, or Don Cat, you know, right. that you've got a way to have unmediated uh, conversations yeah. with your various audiences after you've analyzed them. But I would say that for particularly for broad um, projects like the Bunglow Project or something, mm -hmm. anything to do with schools or mm -hmm. this new ID, there is no one way. So right. that it is yeah. a combination of traditional news, social media, print, broadcasts, anything that you can throw at it, right on. Um, and all sorts of kinds of advertising. Um, the other thing I would say is that um, fundamentally, and I think this is really important, I had this, I did not get this client because uh, this was a very big university logo, unnamed, <laughs> and I was one of three finalists and talked about what I thought they should do and talked about branding. And I said, well, you know, branding is not really your logo. And right. it's really not right. an advertising strategy. It's what you do. Right. Yeah. And brands are built over five, ten years, not by what you say about yourself, but by what you say and third-party validation and what people really see and feel. And I think that's what, and that goes back to the strategic issue. Yeah. This is not about pretty pictures. Well, pretty pictures help, <laughs> but it is, you know, what did Sarah? You can't build, um, you can't make a silk purse out of a pig's ear or whatever <laughs> folksy right. thing she said while cleaning her rifle. Um, so that's the fundamentals. I mean, that yeah. throw everything at it you can, but know your audience and, you know, and build and have integrity in what you're doing. And that really does win out in the end that's throughout the noise. And I think, anymore. I think people need to kind of just mind their own PR too, right? Like you can't, Becky and I can't, or none of us can spew off at the Starbucks barista and across from City Hall, like a psycho, because our coffee was made wrong, and then expects our client to see us and be like, "So you're going to handle my crisis, how? Right? right. That's true. Right. Like, you're building your very own brand yeah. at the same right. time that we're, you know, publicly out there hosting events, at events, networking. It's like you have to mind your p's and q's all the time because. Your PR, your own personal PR represents all of your clients. Yeah, it reflects. And I feel like people don't get that because then they go on social media and they're like, oh, my God, this is the worst day. Please, you know, send right. me all your positivity. And you're or like, I'm no, so no, no. hung over from yeah. my 3 a.m. You can't, you know, you can't do that. And I'm like, no, do, I just want to, like, go in their bed and slap them and say, like, why well, are many, you posting how that? How many clients have you said you need to you're you're done? Yes, oh. your Twitter's done. Your no, Facebook absolutely. Is over. I just had this conversation. I said, "Yes, you're becoming Donald Trump." Right? Yes. Yes. Stop. Yes. Uh -huh. yes. Yes. Just yeah. Stop. Yep. Yeah. You are not allowed to go yeah. on Twitter or send out an email yep. unless you clear it with me. Yep. Yeah. And that yeah. means stop the three o'clock, five. Yeah. Here's yes. what we can all say: our clients 
who stay up all night or get up too early, they need Xanax. To put their phone on ice. <laughs> yes. They need, they need phone to go on to ice. Sleep. Yeah. There have literally been situations when folks I've advised and worked for, like, they, they no longer have access to their Twitter account. Yeah. Like they might oh, have God. an idea. Yep. We'll run it past the, it, the it, folks who are re- authorized to put it up, and then you do it. Absolutely. But otherwise, you're yeah. not doing yeah. it. I mean, People we forget can build that. them up. I know. And right. then you did what? Yeah. Right. 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 140 characters takes right. it all down. I know. And it, it's Fast. like... What were you thinking? Right. But the demise of they the client was within well, wasn't was within 140 characters. Yeah. Well, and that's why it's like whenever when when social media started to become really a thing and I was still in government and campaigns, I always had a protocol. I'm like, okay, before we start this, this is how it works. You don't go on and do A, B, C, or D, and this is yada yada. And we kind of apply the same to us, but we take on clients whether we have anything to do with their social media? I mean, everything's related. You want to make sure whatever you're saying yeah. out there is consistent. But we, we still have say, you say. better have some protocols in place because yeah. you don't want us to have to come into crisis mode. That's not what you want to hire us for. You never want to be in that. But but more times than not, that's where people are like fucking up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's totally. Like, and it turns into, you know, the crisis of the day. So. So last question. Um, obviously, this is, you know, we guys could we could sit here for hours and, and flack it up. Right. Um <laughs> So this is a hot industry. PR is, is, is especially in Chicago, I mean, I feel like everyone's going on their own, doing their own thing. Uh, but it requires really thick skin. Uh, what advice would you give to another woman looking to work in this space? Oh, do you want me to go first? Sure. Just looking at me. Um, you know, I would say, you know, in addition to all the, the niceties, you know, be tough, use your voice and whatever, but trust yourself and know that you're there for a reason. You you didn't. Someone didn't just magically drop you there, and you know it's it's like the people who they grew up wealthy and they think they hit a triple. It's like no, you woke up on third base, and that's okay. I mean that's fine. But you know if you're a young woman starting out in in this industry, trust yourself. You worked hard. You're smart. You know what you're doing. You know use your voice and work hard. You know and also you know, know when to be quiet and learn from the people around you. Because I think that probably all of us in this room did that, whether it was a male or female, everybody has a mentor or someone that you can point to and say they had an influence. So I think that, you know, any young person, male or female, actually, just, you know, trust yourself, kind of know your place in the world and, and you'll be just fine. And also embrace your mistakes. We've all made some mistakes and it's learning. Actually, I mean, I, I say to clients, um, not only embrace, I mean, I don't know, say encourage mistakes, but in, in fact, mistakes are exactly what you learn from. Yeah. And you really need to um, not hide, um, own, right. and discuss. But the other thing I'd say is really have a lot of girlfriends. Yeah. I mean, you know, whether I'm talking about child rearing, right. running yeah. a business, et cetera, because we all, I mean, the fact is we've come a long way, but we all actually uh, have this, and my daughter does too, and she's quite a, an accomplished young professional, this little still small voice that we all haven't gotten over. And I think that um, having a, a sisterhood mm-hmm. is, I mean, not men are great. I love men. Have one at home. Um, <laughs> but Bob when I really bar. think I about <laughs> what has sustained me during the worst moments, my husband is great, but my, my girlfriends yeah. have been the most critical. Yeah. Right on. I love that. I'm glad he's out of town. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that part out when he gets it. <laughs> I think it's... um trusting yourself and trusting your own voice, but also I, I can't stress enough to um, some of the young folks in communications that I've worked with, be trustworthy. And, you know, That's I've huge. worked yeah. 
so hard um, over my years for to to build a brand for myself that reporters they know if they call me they're gonna get me unless I'm baiting a toddler. Um, they know that they can trust me not to lie to them. Now there are times that I will say I can't talk to you about this issue, or I'm not at liberty to say, but they trust me, and um, you know that can be gone in a second. Um, so. If you're concerned about building your reputation, you know, it's not about showing up at the right party and being on the right host committee and doing all of these things. Um, when it comes to the kind of work that we do in media and in politics, your candidates need to be able to trust you. Your, your, the folks that you work for need to be able to trust you, and reporters need to be able to trust you. So I, I think that's something you build and you guard with your life. Um, but when I first started out, one piece of advice um, that I took from someone and I did was, I asked for help. I called a bunch of ladies. And some of them were friends, and some of them were people that I knew that were just acquaintances. And I seriously was looking for help and for mentors to know where to go. And I'm talking about last year. I'm not talking about when I first yeah, started in PR. Right. I'm talking about when I started my... I called... I think I called yep. Becky. Oh, yeah. We both talked to yeah. each other. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I called a number of women, and I was like, look, I'm starting this. I'm being honest. We may be competitors at one point, but I need, I need some advice. What, what can you tell me? And you would be surprised at the number of women that open their arms, open their doors and said, here's what you need to do. Let me connect you to this person. So don't be afraid to ask for advice and ask for help um, because there's some amazing women in this city and the state that will give it to you. Yeah. I have to say that like, it's not like, oh, I don't want to help out a guy, but it's like, I really truly believe in going out of your way to help another woman who's trying to, whether it's in this business or elsewhere, because I think it comes back to it's you a way, in a good way. Don't worry. Guys don't ask for help. <laughs> right. right. They, they, they know what they're doing. <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's really true. That's like, like, we did this podcast. We wanted to showcase women. Sorry, boys. Maybe we'll have a men's edition someday when, like, all the girls are just too busy to come on the show. <laughs> or, you know, with um, a sea chat we're doing. We, we did have a couple guys on our first one, but it was Bill Curtis and Walter Jacobson. I mean, you know, you, you can't get better. Than that. And it was Elizabeth Brackett, who's a rock star. But our next one, like, we wanted to be able to talk about what's happening in today's newsroom. So we went out of our way to find three women news editors and directors because they're there and they're kicking ass. And, you know, we, but that's the point. It's like you, you got to seek out two opportunities to help other women, whether it's yeah. advising, guidance, like sometimes like if I'm on a project and it's it's too much for us and the others, like I will first go to my other, like I've reached out to you once before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, just be like, hey, yeah. you know, we need, we need additional, yeah. you know, work on this. And there's plenty of work out there. There's, there's plenty, plenty of work. That's why it's like, That's I don't even I look said, at competitors. Yeah. It's like, there's not all of us are going to take the same clients and there's so much out there. That's the thing that amazes me. There's so much work out yeah. there and you can't wake up every day thinking like, oh my God, who's got Although what? I, who's got my client? I'll tell you a funny story and I, I know we're running out of time, but the reason I became a Pilates instructor, mm -hmm. this is actually an interesting <laughs> story. When I was, did my first campaign um, with Harold Washington, there was a, I, I won't even use her name, there was an older woman, a lot older. You know, I was 30 or whatever I was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was really kicking ass in this campaign. And she was totally way past understanding what was new. And, you know, I, we tried to be nicer, but the fact is she was a pain in the ass and really a diversion. So during the 2008 campaign, I had some, um, even though I was working my ass off, there were real differences between me and some of the mm -hmm. um, political strategists who happened to be of the male persuasion. And I decided... 
if I ever felt that I was no longer at the top of my game, I wanted not to hang around too long. Yeah. So yeah. during that right. year, 2008, working on the campaign, raising money, running a business, I took a 600-hour course in Pilates <laughs> to become a Pilates instructor, knowing that if Becky called me and said, you know, you're really screwing up. It's time for you to leave. I would say, fine. I've Call got another plan. one. Wow. Am I Pilates? I love, yes. I love that. But that's really smart. It's good to have something else you know you can love that you can go do. Because who's to say that we need to be doing this for the rest of Well, it also you know, keeps you fresh. Yeah. You know, like stepping away and doing something else, going for a run, which I know Mike and I both do. Right. Like, that's important. Clear your head. Get better at, you know, new ideas, better ideas, whatever it is. Like, in government, you don't have time for vacation and even if you do your phone doesn't you're not on vacation right you're going and i up the ski left on your yeah, yeah and it's it's totally berry. refreshing to be able to do that and and also to the point that we were talking about earlier about you know the collaborative nature and the inclusive nature it's really great with one it's important and there are some women who don't do that and yes. and that's okay you know it's not okay but it's like okay you don't want to be let everybody on the elevator that's that's your business but you know, everybody on. Let's go. Like, we're all, we all helping each other. That. We learn from each we other. Learn from me. I, there's never been a situation where I worked in partnership where I have not gained immeasurably. Absolutely. Client gains, I gain. Yeah. And also, I don't know, I'm, the friendships that you evolve through that process as, as our former well. president is yes. really spectacular. Okay, winding Well, up. Marilyn and Sarah and Rakisha, we were really honored to have you on. And I told you this would just fly by. You could just sit here and keep talking about this stuff, you know, all day, of course. But so I'm super we bummed to wine. say. Yeah, next <laughs> time we'll have wine. Well, I will be without child uh, in the belly, and then we can like have maybe some that'll wine. be the first Once... male uh, yes. <laughs> broadcast when That's the baby right. comes. It'll be the first official guest. So. But, you know, even though we're bringing this to an end, uh, it doesn't mean the conversation stops here. So listeners, please subscribe to our podcast on Sound, uh, SoundCloud and iTunes and check out our previous podcast as well. Ask us questions. Let us know how we're doing. And the broadcast is looking for sponsors. So if you enjoyed the podcast and you think it will benefit others, please keep the conversation going and consider becoming a sponsor. For more info, check out our website, cstrategiesllc.com. And of course, at the end of every broadcast, we love to get away, give away our signature, the broadcast lip balm. So no matter where you are, um, you'll always remember to, to use it to not only just soften those lips you have to use so much in your role, but to remember to use your voice, as we like to say. So, ladies, awesome. mwah, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Awesome. Good show. The broadcast is brought to you by C Strategies LLC, a strategic communications and public affairs firm bringing passion and veteran experience to help clients meet their business goals. Our sponsors are the Remix Project Chicago and Ventus Holdings LLC. We are produced and edited by Jack Flash. To learn more about C Strategies and the broadcast, find us on Facebook and Twitter at C Strategies LLC and visit cstrategiesllc.com. Thanks for listening.